Hello, friends. How we doing? Good? Good to see you. Glad you're here today. Yeah, I want to welcome everybody all around Chicagoland, all the campuses, Homer Glen, New Linux, around Orland Park, everybody online, everybody on Facebook live uh, during this service. Good uh, to have you uh, along as well. We are in this series called Summer at Parkview. And if you've been around the last few weeks of summer, you know that what we're doing each week is just diving in uh, to the Bible. And we're studying usually a different person's life. And we're learning things from them and their faith that we can apply to our lives so that we can grow closer uh, to God and his son Jesus and grow closer to each other. So that's where we're also going to head today. And uh, just to kind of get you going there, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8 today. It's in the New Testament of the Bible. So if you have a smartphone or tablet or Bible, Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to be uh, studying today. Uh, but before we go there, I want to just uh, comment for just a moment on some of the events that have happened uh, this last week around here at uh, Parkview. We had VBS going on around here, right? Which is pretty awesome, um, which was a great, great week at all of our campuses. We had, check this out, uh, a huge increase over last year. As far as the number of kids go, we had 1,256 kids show up at VBS, which is amazing. It's just lots and lots of kids uh, learning about Jesus. And just really as amazing as that, we had over a 1,000 adult volunteers, over a 1,000 of them. So give them a hand as well. Thank you so much to all of those volunteers taking care uh, of those kiddos. It was incredible. We had, no doubt, uh, hundreds of decisions uh, for Jesus that kids are figuring out their faith and their journey. And we're still talking to them and their families. It was great. We didn't lose any kids, no lost kids. We, they all came and then also went home. It was amazing. Uh, just a couple of kids hurt, I think. We had one kid I, I know that got a black eye during VBS, but it was also during worship time uh, that he got the black eye. So, you know, they were going, really going for it. So I think God's okay with that. Um, so uh, <laughs> it was awesome. And I could tell you all kinds of things about VBS, but I want you uh, to see just really quickly this 55-second or so video that the team put together that'll bring you up to speed on everything that happened around here the last week. Take a look at this. That's so good. So thankful. How, how they do that, you know that. Yeah, I said, it's weird, right? There's some, there's cool dances out there. That's a weird dance. I'm, don't, don't ever do that again, right? Uh, I was just sorry. I, I see them doing that and I just, I have to try. Um, so and a couple other things about VBS. Uh, these kiddos, they raised, uh, during that week of VBS, they raised right at $11,000, which is pretty amazing, right? Yeah. And uh, that goes to Mission of Hope in Kenya. Uh, the group we work with there, and that'll buy around 550 or so new uniforms and sets of clothes for kids who are living in, in slums and areas there in Kenya. So it's, it's really amazing, and it's super, super cool, isn't it, to see our kids uh, having a heart for kids in other parts of the world and being generous to them and, and teaching our kids that is just a good, good thing. Uh, for us to be doing. So uh, if it's okay, before we dive into Luke chapter 8 today and study, I want to just pray uh, for these kiddos and for their families, and then we'll jump in and study. So God, thanks so much for today and for bringing us all here together and, and uh, allowing us to sing and worship and study. And God, I thank you for this last week around here at Parkview at all campuses and, and just all the children that were here. And God, it's no surprise to you, any one of those kids you knew every one of them that would be here, and some of them maybe hadn't been around church much at all, 
their friends, neighbors, cousins, and maybe it was some of their first experience at church and getting to know your son Jesus. And God, I just pray that you would just let those seeds continue to grow inside of them in their faith. Others have been around church for a long time, and God, I pray that you would just continue to encourage those kids as they grow in their faith and their journey with you. God, thank you so much for all those volunteers, and, and thank you so much for our children's team and staff at all of the campuses, who not just at VBS, but every week, just give so much energy and so many hours to helping these kiddos come to see you more clearly. God, we're grateful for them, and uh, we're thankful for you in our lives and our families. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's dive in here today to uh, Luke chapter 8. Hopefully you've had a chance to find that in your Bible or smartphone or, or tablet. I'm going to read from my Bible, but it's also going to be up on the screen if you want to follow along there. Uh, chapter 8, verse 40. says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting him. Now, pause there for just a moment. You need to know where Jesus is at in this season of life. Uh, he's doing lots of ministry. He's serving lots of people and largely around this area called the Sea of Galilee. He kind of travels around there and goes in boats to different parts of, you know, the, the different cities around uh, the Sea of Galilee there. And if you look back in, in your Bible or smartphone or whatever, if you look back just like in the previous page, like a day or so back, you can see that he's calmed a storm. So uh, there was waves and wind coming up on the sea, and he told it to stop, and he calmed it. And then also when they stopped, uh, he healed a demon-possessed man. Just in the last day or so, there was this guy who everybody knew who was possessed by all kinds of demons. In fact, so many, they called him Legion. And he healed this guy, and so everybody knew about it and was understanding what Jesus was doing. So by the time he gets back over to this place in Sea of Galilee, there's a crowd, and they're expecting him. And it says, then a man named Jairus. Everybody say Jairus. Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue. And don't forget his name because at the end of our study today, uh, about 25 minutes from now, we're going to come back to Jairus and learn a few things about him. Uh, he came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. And she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know it because power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, I want you, if you can, for the next just little bit, forget about everything for the rest of today, if you can, and this week, what's coming, and just put yourself in the mindset of this story and this woman. She turns around from Jesus and, and she walks away. She's, she's walking down at some dusty road or something like that, away from the crowds, away from Jesus. And imagine this. Just imagine that you could come alongside her and, and you could walk with her for, for maybe a mile or, or two miles. What would she say to you? 
I mean, she's just had this face-to-face with Jesus. She's been sick for 12 years, been bleeding for 12 years. An issue of blood is what the Bible would say, and she's been healed. What did she learn about Jesus? That's what we want to spend some time learning today and applying to our lives. Maybe the first thing I think she would say, and she learned, that we can learn, if you're taking notes, is this. That Jesus cares about individuals in every crowd. Remember again, at this season in Jesus' life, he's doing all kinds of miraculous things. And so there's crowds of people all around him. In fact, it says there in verse 40, when he returned, a crowd welcomed him. They, they were ready. They were there. They were just kind of wherever he was. Whenever he got off the boat and got onto land, there was just lots of people. It says a couple of verses later in verse 42, the crowds almost crushed him. And just to get your mind in this, think about, do you, are you a person who likes crowds or are you a person who doesn't like crowds? Do you enjoy being around lots of people or, or would you rather avoid crowds, you know, kind of at all costs? Think about this. Think about what's the biggest crowd that you've ever been around in your life that you've been in. Maybe uh, you would say it's like a, a big football game, maybe an NFL football game or something like that, maybe like a, a big Bears game, but the Bears crowds aren't as big anymore, so maybe not, not that. I mean, they're getting there. It's okay, maybe, it's, maybe, okay, maybe not the Bears, maybe like the Cubs or maybe uh, the White Sox, or maybe you've been to a concert or something like that, and it was, it was a big crowd, or maybe even Easter around here at Parkview. You know, this, you're, you're trying to find a seat in one of the campuses, and there's just crowds and, and crowds of people. If I was going to share with you the biggest crowd I've ever been in, uh, it was a pretty amazing experience. Uh, I would go all the way back to 1989. Uh, I was 19 years old, and I was playing on a soccer team with players uh, mainly from the States here, and we were playing in the uh, Philippines and Hong Kong and Korea and China, and we had just finished up playing for a couple weeks in the Philippines, and we were in Hong Kong. Uh, 1989, and we were at the uh, Olympic Training Center in Hong Kong, and we were playing their national team. We played them, and uh, they actually beat us, uh, sad to say, but then uh, we spent the night there again, and the next day, uh, the plan was that we would pack up in a bus and go over into China to play the Chinese national team. And so the next day comes, uh, we get all loaded up in the bus, and uh, we get all of our gear, you know, all of our big bags, and we set in the bus uh, in front of the training center there for, uh, for 10 minutes, for 20 minutes, for, for 30, for 45, it seemed like hours. And finally, they, they got us back out of the bus and said, you're not going into China today, go back into the training center. And so we did, and I'll never forget, as a young man going in there and seeing uh, the team from Hong Kong sitting around and watching TV in there. And as I look up at the TV, here's the image and the scene that's on that TV. Do you remember this day, the Tiananmen Square riots and, and massacre in 1989 there in China and all the, you know, uh, uh, all the people standing around, you know, and things like that and the crowds that were there and the unrest and all that. We were right there when all of that is happening. The very next day, uh, the Hong Kong government kind of shut down, the businesses all shut down, and, and people gathered uh, just almost spontaneously in this huge marketplace and courtyard there in Hong Kong. And, and it looked something uh, like this. They still continue to do it every year. They, they said there was right around a million people there that day when we were there. And I'll never forget again, coming up from the subway and coming into that group of people and we didn't know how many were there, but close to a million people. And, and the craziest thing was, is that it was just 
silent. It was just silent. Nobody saying a word, very somber, which is usually not what crowds are like, right? I mean, usually people are pushing around and kind of screaming. And like it says here in Luke chapter 8, they're pressing up against you. And, and, and we've all been in crowds. And even when you come to church on the weekend around Parkview, there's crowds of people. There's lots of people that come into service. And, and maybe as you come into a service like this, you see crowds. You see lots of people. But here's what I want us to realize. When Jesus looks out, he doesn't see crowds. I want this to settle into our hearts today. He sees individuals, not crowds. And even with everybody pressing up against him and kind of crushing him, he pauses and comes face to face with this woman as if she's the only person there. And I love what Jesus says uh, in this, uh, in verse 45. Uh, take a look at this. He says, who touched me? Jesus asked. And I, I just think that's great because he's in a crowd, right? And, and we read it just a few moments ago, but all the disciples are kind of quiet. You know, they're, they're not saying anything. And finally, uh, Peter, who's brave, pipes up and says, Jesus, what do you mean who's touching you? I mean, it, Jesus, there's people all around. It's called a crowd, okay? <laughs> Everyone is touching you. But remember what Jesus says? Jesus says, no, no, no. Someone touched me. <laughs> all right. Who touched me? Right? And you're thinking, what's going on here with Jesus? Is it like the kids in the back seat? Don't touch me. Don't touch me kind of thing. What's going on? Who, who touched me? We're not, I'm not going anywhere until I find out who touched me. And he says, I know someone has touched me because power has gone out from me. Jesus doesn't just see crowds. He sees individuals in, in crowds of people. And I guarantee you, when he comes face to face with this woman, it changed her whole life and her perspective of this man named Jesus. And let, let me ask you this, friends, don't, don't answer this out loud, but just kind of answer this in, in your own mind. Do you ever feel like you're kind of living out your life in the midst of a crowd? Just kind of a crowd of people around, and you're just kind of in the midst of it, floating through. I, I feel that way sometimes. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I've been working in the church and working with people now, serving in God's church for 28 years. That's a long time. I started when I was four, so that's how that works. I'm 32-ish now, uh, but, you know, I've, a, long, a long time. And there have been times, I'll just, I'll tell you, there's been times in my 20s, times in my 30s, times in my 40s, when I've just sat in the morning with a cup of coffee and have kind of had that conversation going, you know what? Does anyone even see what I'm doing? Does anyone even notice my efforts, I'm getting up early, I'm, I'm staying up late, I'm working with these people, those people, I'm studying this and that. Does anyone even notice? I'll just admit to you, I've been there. Maybe you've been there in your life. Maybe it's your work. And you feel like, you know, at work, you show up to work on time and you leave work when you're supposed to leave work. You put in a full day's work, but it seems like no one else really is. Everybody's kind of cheating the work, but you're not. And you're wondering, does anybody even see what I'm doing? I mean, I'm there the whole time. Does anyone even notice this? Or maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your marriage is just in a season now that's tough. I mean, let's just be honest. It's, you're still there. You're, you're, you're committed. You're, you have this desire to remain faithful to your spouse and your commitment to God and other people that you stood up in front of. But to be honest, it's really tough right now. And you're thinking to yourself sometimes, does anyone even notice? Does anyone even see how hard this is and that I'm staying faithful? In this season, or maybe you're a single parent, 
And you're trying to raise one or two or even three little kiddos and you got to get up early and get them fed and then get them to school or daycare. And then you go to work for eight or 10 hours and you pick them up and you try and save some energy for them. And, and then you try and get them to church and all those things. And you just start to think to yourself, you know what? This is so hard. Does anybody see what I'm doing? Does any, I feel like I'm all alone in this. Or maybe you're just honest. You're an honest person. You try and live life in an honest way, but you see all of these people around you, it seems like, who are not honest. And maybe at work, it seems like a lot of these dishonest people are getting ahead. They're getting the promotions or the perks and things like that. And you just start to think to yourself, does anyone even see that I'm being honest here? Here's what I want to say to you, Parkview. If you have ever felt that way in any area of your life, I want to just say this to you as clearly as I can. Jesus notices you. He does, because he cares about individuals in every crowd. He's concerned with individuals, not crowds. And if he were delivering this message today, if he were standing on this stage, I think he would say the same thing to so many of you that he has said to me many different times throughout my life. And it would simply be this, I see you. I see you. I see you, Todd. I, I see what's going on with your marriage, Todd. And I know it's a tense time right now. And I just want you to know, I see you. I have felt God press that into my life at certain times. And I'm not alone in this. Or I'm trying to raise my kids. And he would say, Todd, I see you with your kids. And I know you're trying to do the best you can to raise them. And they're doing their own thing. And it's really difficult. And you're wondering, you know, if you're even going to get through this. Listen, listen, listen. I see you, Todd. Or sometimes he said that to me when it comes to my money. Todd, I know you're mixed up about your money. And it's not going as far as you want it to go. And, and you're pretty stressed out about money. And, and I've just felt him say to me, listen, listen, Todd, I see you. I'm with you. And I think he would say the very same thing to, to so many of you. Say, I see you. I'm, I'm still with you. Amen. And I know when I say you, you think I'm talking to like another you somewhere else. No, I mean you, you, you. Not a crowd of people. You. He sees you. And he would say, you know what? I actually know more about you than you even know about you. Right? He would say, I know how many hairs are on your head. That's what scripture says. I know how many hairs are on your head. Which I know for some of you is not a big deal. But, you know, like <laughs> Pastor Bill and things. Yeah, so sorry. But, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, though, but, but, but what, what Jesus is saying is, is this, that I see you. I see you, and if you want my help for your life, all you have to do is reach out. That's what this woman does. She reached out to Jesus, and she learned another amazing truth about him that I want us to learn today, and, and that is that Jesus connects with faith-filled people. He cares about individuals in the midst of crowds. He just sees individuals. But he also connects with faith-filled people. You realize, right, that it wasn't this woman's finger or her hand that connected her to Jesus. It was her faith. That's what it says. Your faith has healed you. It was her faith that caused her to reach out. Now, let me say something about faith for just a moment because we don't talk about this a lot. But I want us to realize that it's possible to be a person of faith for you to have faith in your life, but then also for not, for not everything in your life to be perfect. 
right? You can be a faithful person and still not everything be perfect. I think perfect. I think sometimes we come to Jesus, we become a Christian, we start coming to church and we say, well, everything's just going to be awesome now. It's going to be amazing now that I'm at church, now that I know Jesus, but you can still have issues in your life. This woman is full of faith. She has faith in her life. She is a faithful person, but she is still down. She's still depressed. She still has some disappointment and some sadness in her life, even though she has faith. And I want you to know that we can experience that too. This woman is disappointed physically, no doubt about it. She's been bleeding for 12 years. We won't go into this, all this, but the Bible says that she has issues of blood, which would make her unclean, the Bible would say. And the fact that she was unclean, she's been sick and she hasn't been able to find any help. The fact that she's unclean means that relationally she's down, disappointed because she can't be around anyone. I'm sure she's single. She's not married because she can't be married because she can't get around anyone else or she'll make them unclean. Uh, emotionally, she's down. Spiritually, she's down. She's disappointed because she can't go to church. She can't worship. She can't be around people. She should not have been in this crowd of people because she was unclean. And maybe you feel some of that disappointment sometimes. Relationally, you feel a little disappointed right now that someone you look up to has let you down. Or emotionally, you have some sadness. Or, or, or physically, you're sick dealing with something right now. Or spiritually, you have some disappointment in your life. I just, I just want to say this. You can be a person of faith and still experience down days. It just happens. In our lives. And here's what I would say to you, Parkview. I want to say this clearly. Do not, do not let your disappointment, being down, feeling down, keep you away from Jesus. Go ahead and come to him. Reach out to him. I think a lot of times we think, you know, I got to get my life all cleaned up. I got to be doing okay. I got to get everything fixed. And then I can come to Jesus. And then I can come back to church. And that's just not the way it is. You can come to Jesus exactly the way you are. And I know that some of you might be saying, well, Todd, you don't understand. And I'm so down or disappointed or I, I feel so dirty or sinful or whatever. I got to take care of all this. And, and Jesus is probably just, you know, 100 miles away from me. He's, he's a million miles away from me. That's the way you feel sometimes. That's the way I feel sometimes. But I want you to know he's not. He is not a million miles away. Remember a couple weeks ago? When I was preaching and we were studying uh, the Bible and I, I shared this image with you, I want you to see it again. Remember this? Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. That's so good. The cross of Jesus, the help of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the healing of Jesus in our lives. Guess what? It is closer than it appears. It's closer than you think if you and I will just reach out to him. And this image, when I posted it a couple weeks ago on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that after, you know, the weekend of service, it, it was unbelievable the next few days. There, there were thousands of people that, that interacted with this image, and, and that's not usual for me. There were just thousands of people interacting and messaging and sharing and stuff like that. And you know why I think that is? I think it's because this image, like, it struck a chord in us around here at Parkview. Because we all need, no matter who you are, young or old, male or female, doesn't matter. We all need Jesus to be close. We need to know that. And I want you to know that even if you have some sad or disappointing times in your life, like this woman was in the midst of, if you'll just reach out to Jesus, he is closer than you 
think. He's right there. And here's another thing I want us to see about her before we move on from this thought. This, I think this is just amazing. This woman is, is dirty. She would have been considered dirty or, or, or sinful or set apart from people. She was unclean. So again, she could not be around people. She should not have been in this crowd. And the reason is because anybody she touched would then be unclean. And they would have to go through all these rituals and things like that and be set apart so they could get clean. So she was not supposed to be in the crowd because anybody she came into contact with would be unclean. But here's what's amazing. When she comes to Jesus, when she gets near Jesus, she doesn't make him dirty. He makes her clean. Isn't that cool? Isn't that good? When she comes near him, she doesn't turn him into unclean. She doesn't make him dirty. He makes her clean. And here's the thing about us, Parfew, when we come to Jesus, we don't rub off on him, he rubs off on us. And you can come to him no matter where you are in life, no matter how far from him you feel, no matter how dirty, no matter how unclean you feel, and you do not make him dirty, he makes you clean. He heals you, he takes care of you. That's good news, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. And I know, again, as, as soon as I say he, he, can make, he can make you clean or, or he can give you hope, as soon as I say that in a crowd of people, you start thinking, well, yeah, you know, he's talking to some other you. No, I mean you. That's the whole message today. I'm not talking to a crowd. I'm talking to you, you. He can make you clean. Not the crowd, you clean. Because check this out, the last thing I want us to see today in our time about Jesus, because he changes lives when everything else fails. He notices individuals in every crowd. He just sees individuals, in fact. He connects with people of faith, no doubt about it, but he can also change lives when everything else fails. The story we've been studying today, we've been reading from the book of Luke in the Bible. That's how I read it earlier. I want you to realize that also in the Bible, the same story is told in Matthew and Mark. So in the Bible, in the New Testament, if you're not familiar with it, there's, there's these gospels, they're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and a lot of them share the same stories from different perspectives of people who are writing them. And I want us to see what Mark writes about this very same story, because I think he gives us some more insight into this woman's life that, that shows some of where she was really at. And, and Luke doesn't share this part of the story. And let me just give you some insight into that. We're going to like really dig into some, some study, some word here for a, a bit. Luke is a disciple of Jesus, but he's also a doctor. Did you know this? He's a physician. So Luke is a disciple of Jesus, but he's also a physician. And so he has a little bit different perspective. And I want you to see what Mark says about this same season. Mark chapter 5. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. We know that, we've studied that. But then here's what he said. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now, Mark shares this. Luke, who is a doctor, doesn't care to share this. Isn't that amazing? Uh, that this is part of the reason I, I love the Bible. I trust the Bible. I think the Bible is reliable because it's from God. It's inspired by God, but it's written from different perspectives of different, different individuals. It's not all contrived and come together and, hey, let's all just tell the same story. They, they tell the story from the way they see it. And, and Luke doesn't want to say, you know, that she's seen some doctors and not gotten better because he's a doctor. But the fact is, 
The fact is, she has been bleeding for 12 years. She's seen these doctors. It says she has spent everything. And I don't know where she got this money. She probably doesn't have a lot of money. But she spent it all on doctors, and she's not getting any better. She's actually getting much worse, it says. And out of sheer desperation, she decides to come to Jesus. And then also, there's this person named Jairus. Remember Jairus? We talked about him about 20, 25 minutes ago. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. And what we know about the religious leaders of that day is that they would not have loved Jesus. They would have not have applauded Jesus or come to him. They would have despised him most of the time because of what he was doing and what he was teaching. It would have been different. But when his only daughter, a girl of about 12, is dying, he comes to Jesus out of sheer desperation. This woman who's been bleeding, her last resort, she comes to Jesus. Jairus, when nothing else is working, he comes to Jesus. And as I've been thinking and praying through this the last few weeks, I can't help but think about this. How many times for you and for me, how often do we wait to come to Jesus till we're desperate? Why do we wait so long? How, how often do we try and fix our family or our kids or our marriage, our finances, or our, our workplace, our career, and things like that? How, how often do we just try and do that by ourselves? I think a lot of times. I think we do that a lot of times. I, I know I, I have those seasons for sure when we just try and handle it on our own instead of coming to Jesus. A, a while back, I was in a Barnes & Noble bookstore with my son. He's a teenager, and he loves to read, and so he's always buying books and things like that. And so we're at this Barnes & Noble, and he gets a few books, and he goes and sets, and he's reading. So I'm just kind of looking around the Barnes & Noble, and I'm not in the store, those stores all the time. And I begin to realize just how big the kind of the self-help section is. There's all these books about how you can do this, and you can do that, and you can grow this, and you can buy this, and build this, and, and all that, and you can take care of you, and just the self-help section. And, and I begin to realize how, as a culture, we, we are in many ways just completely, uh, you know, obsessed with kind of self-help. But what I think we're also finding out more and more as a culture is that oftentimes self really can't help, right? I mean, self is not always a great help. Um, and, you know, self may offer some suggestions, right? Uh, self may have some decent ideas, but at the end of the day, self is not always a lot of help, right? I think that's what we're discovering. In fact, for, for me, I don't know about you, but for me, I oftentimes get very frustrated with self. You know, because it, 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 I do, because it seems like every time I turn around, self is trying to take over. I mean, I take my eyes off things for just a little bit and there goes self, right? <laughs> self is just trying to take over all kinds of, of things. And what I have learned about myself, this is true about me, maybe about you, but self, myself cannot always be trusted. I just, I'm, it's not always trustworthy. Here's another thing I learned about self. Self oftentimes thinks it knows more than it does. <laughs> it's true. It really does. It thinks it knows more than it does. And here's what I also know. Self, when, when it just comes to myself, Myself, I, I do not have the power to, to live out the Christian life in the way I know it needs to be lived out. Self just can't do that. And, and in fact, if self was the answer to all of our problems and all the issues in our lives, then we wouldn't need Jesus, right? If self could just take care of it, if self could just do things, then, then we wouldn't have needed Jesus. Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. Jesus could have just stayed in heaven if we could just figure it out, out ourselves. He could have just stayed in heaven. Right where he was at, he, he could have just made sure, you know, in a miraculous way that all of us received, you know, like a Barnes and Noble gift card and, you know, because he, he can do that with individuals, not crowds. And we all get a Barnes and Noble gift card and he could have said, you know, just get over there to Barnes and Noble and uh, pick up a few of those really great books and grab a coffee and have a nice life. Right. He could have done that. He could have done that. But he didn't. And here's why. Because you know this. 
Every one of us knows this, whether you've been around church a long time or just a little bit. We need help. You need help beyond self. And that's where a Savior comes in. We need a Savior. We need help beyond self. We need a Savior. And that's Jesus who enters into our lives. And it's some amazing things we've learned and been reminded about him today. We've learned that our Savior, Jesus, he cares about individuals in, in every single crowd. You may feel like right now in life you're kind of unnoticed. <laughs> Does anyone even see what I'm doing? I'm trying to be good. Guess what? Jesus notices. He sees individuals, not crowds. I guarantee it. He connects with people of faith. Maybe you feel like he's 100 miles away. He's not close, but I promise if you just turn around and reach out, he's a whole lot closer than you think. He'll connect with people of faith. And then finally, remember this, don't forget it, that he can change lives when everything else fails. Do not be afraid. Do not be too proud to bring yourself to Jesus and realize he can change your life, your family, your health, your well-being, your kids, your career, your finances, your friends, your neighbors, even your spouse. He can change your life if you just come to him when everything else fails. Amen. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for a time to study and, yeah, for a time to study and learn and, and grow. Thank you for this uh, encounter in Luke chapter 8 and Matthew and Mark and, and just the things we can learn about you and your son Jesus. And God, it's just, it's good for us to know. It's, it's, it's so helpful for us to know that you're close and that you don't just see a big crowd of people, but that you see us and you care about us and if we'll just reach out to you, you can do things that we could never do. You can change lives when all of our attempts and efforts fail. We love you and we thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Everyone says, amen. amen.